podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. And we're really inside cricket this week because I went to the draft last night of the 100, the new tournament. I know there's a lot of negativity about it, but we're going to kind of consider that, consider why it's important, have a look at one or two of the negatives and some of the positives. We're going to hear from the players talking about it too and and why they like it. Uh, We'll start with uh, this uh, little tweet here from a Middlesex member who says, were any of you foolish enough to watch the draft last night? I would describe it as grubby, cheap and nasty, symptomatic of what will be forced on us next summer. Maybe I'm a lone voice. Well, he certainly isn't a lone voice, because you've got some material there, haven't you, from the people who are against the 100? Well, I've, I've been looking through yeah, Twitter, and, you know, one form of social media, where you, you, know, you do get a lot of people with a, with a lot of opinions, and often a lot of negative opinions. And there's a, there's a, a new group, hashtag oppose the 100, and a lot of comment on, on last night that, A, it was boring and it was just a money grab and it was it was horrible to to watch it and other people saying well you know the ecb is spending an enormous amount of money on this competition and there could be many better ways of spending that money um i would say i am i can see why they're doing the hundred uh i wouldn't say it was guaranteed to to be successful and then you have to ask the question what is success tom harrison said it's already been a success because they've sold the television rights for 1.1 billion and that's you know an awful lot of money coming into the game over the next four years but of course the the hundred is going to cost a lot of money as well and and high stake the ecb have have staked a lot on it There's, there's no doubt about that and it's still evolving as a tournament as well when it was originally launched they didn't really know what they were launching, and it's still being put together behind the scenes. In fact, I, I think I'm going to be a little bit of a consultant on one or two of the, the tools and things that are going to be used to try and make the game exciting to the viewer, to the audience, to captivate people, You know, minim- minimising delays, things like that. I think that it's, it's a very basic reason why we need this tournament. Uh, and, and Well, there are two reasons, really. And they're fairly obvious, but I'll give you some statistics. Firstly, if you look at the 18 counties and their balance sheets for 2018, if you add them all up, there is a combined loss of £2.4 million. That's after the ECB's £30 million injection, so roughly £1.3 million to each county, which they get automatically. So there's a £2.4 million loss over the, the game as a whole, plus... £186 million of debt, which is mainly from the counties who've had to rebuild their grounds and they're servicing that debt. So generally, the game is not in good financial health. One of the reasons for for bringing in a new tournament was to raise the amount of money from broadcasters, and this was the only way of doing it because... The BBC, who were kind of integral to that, and Sky, because they were uh, they needed to, to be encouraged to pay more, they were only interested if there was going to be a new tournament which had a city kind of base. And the second reason why the 100 is needed is because it was the only way of getting it on the BBC. And the BBC's oxygen of publicity and the, the reach that it has is vital for the game survival. And one of the criticisms is... It's completely downgrading county cricket. And people say, well, we can see 
a reduction in the number of, of counties in the future. What, what would you say to that? Well, I think that's that was going to be inevitable anyway. I mean, you know, there are only six counties make a profit in the current uh, financial scenario. That's potentially only going to get worse without this injection of new capital that the 100 has uh, orchestrated. So there are counties in perilous financial positions which I think the introduction of the 100 will uh, sort of uh, protect. There'll be a period where they survive as a result. It'll delay the inevitable. But in the end, I I think 18 counties is unsustainable. Last summer, great audiences for the blast. Uh, You know, big crowds, people turned out to, to watch it. People say, well, why do we need a new tournament when lots and lots of people, in their thousands and thousands, are going to watch the Vitality Blast? Because we need to uh, basically bridge the gap between the Vitality Blast and international cricket, which is what the IPL and the Big Bash do, attract more star players and star coaches into our game and put it on at a time when people can watch. I know this is an old argument that I'm sure many of you have heard before, but the fact that you have it on at the same time every night consistently for five weeks will keep a storyline going. It's easy to follow. The narrative should compel people to, to be interested in the 100 because it's something you know what time it's on every night, whether you go to the game or whether you watch it on telly. And it obviously climaxes to a final, all capitalising on the fantastic work of the England team to win the World Cup this year. Well, let's hear from one of the members of that team now, England Test Captain uh, Joe Root. You spoke to him at the draft and you, you said to him, you know, there's been a lot of negativity around the 100. Why is it so important? A number of reasons. Like you said, this summer we've, we've witnessed and been a part of um, a season which has Im- improved how has the best way to say the profile it? of the game? The profile of the game, yeah. Um, it's got more people in love with it, if you like, paying attention to it, recognising it. And I think the 100 will do that with a different audience. It, you know, there's a lot of people might be saying negative things about it, but you look at anyone that's involved in this or that's around tonight, it's, there's a lot of excitement about it. And I think this could have a really strong impact on, on the rest of the formats <coughs> and the rest of the game, which I think is great. You know, you look at what 2020 did to white ball cricket, and as I said, you look at Ben's innings at Headingley, the way he scored those last 70 runs, we'd never have seen that in Test cricket before 2020. You know, someone going down, reverse sweeping for six, um, and ramp shots, all the rest of it, that, that's happening more and more regularly. Um, in, in the longer format. So not only will the different strategies and methods and tactics that this tournament will throw up improve 2020 cricket or improve 50-over cricket, I genuinely believe you'll see a knock-on effect. Even if it isn't skill-based in terms of being able to hit it to all parts of the ground or nailing Yorkers when it's reverse swinging or whatever, I, I, if it's tactically as captains people seeing things earlier or recognising um, a passage which could cross over into test cricket. So it's in a way an enhancement of skills? I think so. You know, you shorten anything down and the opportunity for error 
it's highlighted, so you have to, you know, you, you can't afford to miss a Yorker now in white ball cricket if you're bowling at someone, like a Drake Russell or whatever. So I think 2020 cricket has upped skill level, um, and this is another tournament or competition which has the, the chance to do exactly the same thing. What have you been doing in your gap time between the end of the season and, and now? I've, in terms of cricket? In terms of cricket, I, well, I had a nice break and then um, last couple of weeks, or last, last week, sorry, I've had a couple of hits where I've gone away, tried to just tidy things up in my own game, um, use this period at home where there's no pressure of being on a tour or having to worry about opposition um, conditions or makeup of a team, just go and practice on very basic, simple things that will hold me good stead for the start of the winter uh, using some club players as well using club players yeah using the guys that run the, uh, the two guys that play in Sheffield Collegiate's first team Simon Guy who I played a lot of second team cricket with at Yorkshire knows my game really well um, he's the head of sport at Denston College they very kindly offered up the sports hall to let me do some work and Josh Farley who's the head of uh, runs the, the coaching unit at Sheffield Collegiate and first team captain so it's been nice to go back work with those guys. Um, they've obviously thrown a lot of balls and it's been great to just throw some ideas out there, chat to them and um, I think they've enjoyed it as much as I What have. a great boost for club coaches as well. Yeah, well, why not? Um, yeah. For him, I'm sure he gets something out of it. It's, I obviously got a huge amount out of it. So um, when we can provide opportunities like that, you give back to the game, we should, absolutely should. Great, actually, for the club game that uh, that Joe's investing in it and encouraging club players and club coaches to to help him out. And by the way, actually, the next issue of the Cricketer Magazine, we're doing a big survey on club cricket and the state of it and participation at the grassroots level and so on. That's not our topic today. But I think Joe there really encapsulated the feeling of a lot of the players that I spoke to last night who were just all really excited and invigorated by the opportunity to play with, with lots of players they haven't played with before, whether they're English players or or foreign players, and also be challenged by a new format where just one or two little tweaks, like the 10 ball over potentially, slightly less balls in and innings, one or two other little things that will be brought in, are just going to challenge them a tiny bit. And as he says, it's potentially going to raise their skill levels even higher for the benefit of all formats of the game. Yeah, just watching the the draft last night, I, mean, I didn't sense that you know that real excitement. I mean, there was it went on for a long time, didn't it? Yeah. It went on for the program went on for for nearly three hours. Actually, much longer than the the, the game itself. But I mean, <laughs> but I, I just wonder whether that could have been done a bit better. I mean, what, one other thing I felt about it was watching it is you didn't know which players were still out there to be picked. I know there's an awful number. I know there was an awful lot of players that sort of made themselves available for the draft, and you probably have a, a huge list on TV. It might, might have been hard to take in, but as the players were sort of coming out, it was it was hard to know who was left and who was who was there to to be picked. That was that was just you know, one observation. But I, I didn't sort of get the sense of excitement. I got I got a, so I got sort of the the sense of players being sort of corralled along. You know, we need to support this. Go along, but actually, yeah. but actually, I mean, you were there, and you, that, you you said that wasn't the case. Well, I don't think it was when they were put on the spot. I think when we, we sort of interviewed them afterwards, you know, there was general, very high levels of enthusiasm. And in fact, I walked in with a few players at the start. I walked in with Stokes, Morgan, 
uh, Sam Billings, Bear Stowe, uh, Ravi Bapara, one or two others, you know, uh, Chris Wokes, and they're all sort of talking about, oh, who, you, who do you think you're going to get picked? I mean, some of them had already been picked, but one or two hadn't. And so it was sort of, who are you going to get picked by and who do you want? And, you know, there was there was a real level of, of adrenaline there, mm-hmm. actually, which they, if you talk to them afterwards, they all said, yeah, we were nervous. If Even if we had already been selected, we were nervous who were we were going to play with, that the level of our team, the players that we might have to play against, for instance. And I'll give you a good example of that was Joss Butler. I spoke to him sort of soon afterwards. And the first thing I asked him was how much involvement he actually had in the planning of Manchester Originals. Only a little bit, really. I just had a couple of conversations on the phone with, with Glenn Chappell, who just wanted my ideas on a, on a few things and a couple of players. Um, so, yeah, not loads, um, but it's, yeah, it's been interesting to watch. Um, you know, all the sides go about how they're putting their squads together and, and the balance and how, you know, getting guys who know your home conditions of, of the grounds as well. So um, yeah, it's been a really interesting watch. Dane Villas, did you expect that one? Uh, no, I didn't expect that one. Not that I, I thought he would be a definite to try and get back. Um, probably not uh, in that round. But um, you know, obviously he's had a fantastic year uh, for Lancashire. He's played, you know, been the best player by far and, and been brilliant. So, um, and I know the guys talking really highly of his leadership qualities this year as well. So you know, he could be a potential captain for the team. Um, and you know, I think obviously working closely with Chappie, um, he obviously sees Dane at close quarters and, and just how well he's done this year. So um, yeah, a little bit surprised, but you know, definitely a guy that the Manchester Originals wanted. You're going to keep to Imran Tahir. Can you pick his googly? Oh, I have to learn to try, won't I? Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's been a, <clears throat> a fantastic performer for a, a long, long time, and you know he's been bamboozling guys with lots of variation, hasn't he? And uh, and he's been on the end of his celebration a few times. Um, but it's uh, really exciting. You know, any time you get a guy who can turn the ball both ways, um, as a batsman, it's tough. But as a wicketkeeper, it's really exciting because you know you're going to be in the game. Can you? Obviously, you haven't played the hundred yet, but. Can you put into perspective how it will compare to the IPL? You're a veteran of the IPL in many ways. Yeah, um, I'm just so excited for us to have a franchise tournament like this in our country. You know, I think you know, watching something like this on the TV now, and that's happening for us in this country. Um, you know, you're usually, you know, we're used to watching it all around the world and thinking, I want to be a part of it, etc., etc. Um, now we have that in our country. I think it's going to be massive for the game. I came here thinking. Now, this is actually one of the most exciting days for English cricket um, has had. And we've had some pretty exciting ones this summer. Um, but this is a massive moment, I think, for the game. Um, and I think next summer, the 100 is going to be awesome. So were you quite almost nervous coming here today? I mean, how did you feel arriving at this this event? Actually really nervous, yeah. Um, no, we... Knowing we were number six pick, you know, I knew there's a couple of guys that I would have loved that you just can't get because, you know, they'll be snapped up in the first couple of goes. So such um, as such as Rashid Khan, um, you know, I think uh, faced about ten balls, ten yeah, balls so off him. Got a great got, yeah, yeah, so it would have been nice to have him in the same team. Um, but yeah, you know, Rashid Khan, Andre Russell, um, these are guys that. You know, for me as well, in my career, I want to play with these guys. You know, I want to learn off them and, and be in the same team. And, and so these superstars of the game, you know, they're the guys you want to rub shoulders with in your own team. It's 20 balls less. How will that shape the way the game is played, do you think? Oh, obviously, people will go a bit more aggressive um, from the start and you, you could probably have maybe more specialists. I think number seven in T20 faces probably average seven balls or six balls or something. So, you know, potentially... 
that will go down. So you could probably have six specialist batsmen and five specialist bowlers. So, um, or you could be a team that tries to use loads of all-rounders. I think one interesting tactical thing will be, you know, say someone like a Mitchell Stark takes a wicket with his fifth ball. You know, you could keep him going for five, and you, and you could blow a team away, etc., with your your star bowler. So I think that's quite an interesting tactical thing that will be will come more apparent. Yeah, and I watched it last night, and obviously I heard Josh Butler speak. But actually, just listening to him there, just just making the the, the case out for the players being involved in the hundred, you actually do get a sense of his you know, desire to play in it and the importance of it to the players. Of course, one aspect of this is how much are the England players actually going to be able to play in the hundred because the international season will be running alongside it. So it's all very well to have the the big name players there, the England players there, and that they will play in some of the games, but you know they will drift away. Yeah, in fact, I asked that uh, question to Joe Root, and he said he's already worked out. He played the first three games, and then if they get to the final the final so there is a limited uh, availability for some of those England players which is a shame I, I mean it's funny Joss Butler there talking about uh, the, the the difficulty of Rashid he was desperate to get Rashid Khan in his team because I think he's faced I think he was about to say there he's faced about 14 balls off Rashid Khan and been dismissed four times he's absolutely clueless so uh, you know brilliant uh, uh, brilliant bowler who are the other sort of winners and losers in, in that uh, draft uh, situation overall Liam Livingston, who got a, a big deal, 125 grand to play with the Birmingham Phoenix. I'm not always getting my head around some of these names. Just, just, interesting, just on the Phoenix, I'm going to butt in there on, on the Birmingham Phoenix. Our, our, our Dan Weston, who yes. we've had on this podcast before, he was the sort of the money baller, if you like, the stats man for the, the Birmingham Phoenix. And they, they came up with one or two. I mean, Benny Howell picked the Birmingham Phoenix. That did not surprise me because I, you know, I've heard a lot of the, the stats people say, you know, Benny, Benny Howell, who's, you know, who's not had any international recognition at all, he should be, you know, he should be recognised at higher level. He wasn't picked for England's T20 tour of New Zealand. Having said that, he was injured at the, at the back end of last season. He missed the end of the, the T20. I wasn't surprised to see Dan go mm. for, for, for Benny Howell and that Birmingham Phoenix team. And, and you say Liam Livingston was a, you know, was a bit of a surprise as a £125,000 man for the Phoenix. Actually, I was looking out to see uh, who they would pick as their potential captain, Birmingham, because... Liam Livingston is a very talented cricketer, but he's a little bit of a loose cannon. And I think they need someone who's got a bit of authority and obviously experience to captain him. Because there's no doubt Liam Livingston is hugely talented, uh, sometimes a little bit unpredictable, but he needs a, a good, balanced, experienced head to captain. Kane Williamson. They picked him, and that, that I think is a perfect balance because Kane Williamson and Liam Livingston, I reckon they'll dovetail brilliantly in that team. Williamson has got so much knowledge and experience and, and sort of calmness, and Livingston's this explosive character. I think that's a good combination. Moen Alley, of course, is in that in that team as well. I mean, just looking down some of the teams, I certainly think uh, the Southern Braves, you're going to be brave if you want to play against them because their bowling attack is... Joffre Archer, Chris Jordan, Tim Al Mills and George Garton, if he gets in, uh, as well as Andre Russell. Yeah. So uh, it's the hard hat area if you're going to play. You better run by to the keeper, won't you? Yeah. The keeper would be standing back, I mean, better course, run a by to him. Of course, Archer may not play too much, mm. but they have got uh, some pretty se- severe bowl- bowling attack there. And, and actually, yeah, so a good middle order too. James Vince, Ollie Pope uh, as well. Uh, and Alex Davis and Liam Dawson. So, you know, I think they've 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 come up with some some 
very a, a good combination actually, Southern Brave. And I also like Welsh Fire. They're uh, sort of opening options at the top of the order. Johnny Bairstow, Colin Ingram or Tom Banton. Uh, and then, you know, Ben Duckett, Steve Smith. <laughs> Useful top five there. They've also got Mitchell Stark as well. Ravi Rample, Liam Plunkett's got to deal with them. So those two sides look pretty good. Yeah, and I, I wonder whether that actually the, the Welsh franchise needs that sort of boost as well because... I, the crowds generally in Cardiff are not great, are they? And you know, there's a bit of controversy. Uh, you know, Bristol ignored, some said, you know, Taunton ignored. No matches in in, in Bristol and Taunton. That the, the women are going to play, aren't they? In, in Bristol and Taunton, and you know, also calling it the Welsh Fire, which, you know, frankly, we, we've talk, mentioned this before, it does exclude the West Country because people in the West Country do not support. You know, a, a Welsh team. It, it, it's sort of tribal. It's in the same way that probably, you know. Welsh people wouldn't support a Bristol team. It's, it, it's just the way it is. It's just it's just the nature of, of how things are. So they probably needed those those sort of star players just to give them a bit of a kick, actually. And Johnny Bairstow was talking very enthusiastically about it, really excited about the the prospects. I mean, all the teams have got uh, of their strengths and weaknesses. I suppose uh, the the superchargers, that's the Northern superchargers, that is. Uh, Ben Stokes's team, uh, obviously the coach there, Darren Lehman, gone, not surprisingly, with an all-Australian opening pair of Aaron Finch and Chris Lynn. So another pretty dangerous area if you're a bowler, to bowl at those two. Then Ben Stokes to come in in the middle order. Uh, and then I like their combination of spinners. They've got uh, Mujib, the Afghanistani mm. uh, mystery spinner, and Adil Rashid. So well-covered in that area. A bit lacking in pace, actually, uh, with only David Willian and Richard Gleeson to to bowl the, the the quick stuff. Although I may have uh, may have overlooked, I haven't done a totally comprehensive survey of all the teams. But I mean, we're talking winners and losers overall. I think the the winners actually have been a lot of young English players who've really got signed up, perhaps uh, against the odds. You know, the likes of Ollie Pope and Tom Banton and Tom Abel, people like that that have been invested in by these franchises over and above some of the the big star names of the past. Uh, and I mean, when I'm talking names of the past. You know, overseas players that didn't get in. Chris Gale, a very obvious uh, omission. A snub, people are calling it. Well, it, it sort of is, isn't it? But Gale said, I, I have to be paid £125,000, otherwise... I'm, I'm not going to participate, well, I basically. I think he doesn't get out of bed for probably about yeah. less than 200 grand, actually. A.B. de Villiers decided not to put himself yeah. in, which is a shame. Then people like Lassith Malinga didn't get a call-up. Trent Bolt, he didn't get any, anybody buying him, which I thought was uh, interesting. Shaki Balhassan, one of the stars of the World Cup. But maybe that's partly because Bangladesh have some games during the tournament, so uh, his availability was, was less. But so, you know, some definite winners and definite losers. Dane Villas, for example, you know, plucked out for, for for big money, and I think that surprised a few people. Uh, Captain Lancashire last year, they finished top of the Northern Group. Though. I mean, his, his record was was reasonable rather than outstanding: two hundred and fifty nine runs, strike rate of a hundred and forty six. The other aspect of it, is, of it as well is, you know, which counties had the most players in the team? Sussex up there with eleven, mm. and then Leicestershire 
None at all. I noticed that Gloucestershire actually finished second in the South group and he had three players oh in the draft. Oh, no. Poor Gloucestershire. And one of the, perhaps one of the losers there was you know, someone like Jack Taylor, who is a very effective hitter. Mm. Lower down the order wasn't picked up. But you, you can have a wild card um, ne- next summer after the blast has finished so teams can still pick one more player. So there's an incentive there to, you know, to do well in the, in the blast next summer. We'll talk in a minute about what will be a success or otherwise for the 100. Lots of players included, but loads and loads of players left out as well. And you know, some will be very disappointed. I, I saw there was a tweet from Josh Cobb saying something along the lines of um, when's Brexit happening? And that was a reference to the fact that you know, he was part of a successful Northamptonshire team uh, not so long ago. He wasn't picked up. But of course, there are, I think it's something like 13 Colpack players who are in the the hundred draft, and you think, well, hold on, lots of young English players, you say, you know, have been picked up, but also lots have been excluded. You know, there'll be lots of uh, disappointed cricketers as well. You know, one player who who was picked up, who's just moved, actually, T Twenty County. That's Ravi Bopara from Essex to Sussex. So you you caught up with him as well, and sort of asked him about his his sort of feeling coming to the the draft last night. Did he actually feel nervous? Look, I didn't have any doubt that at some point I'd be able to get into one of the squads. Um, but you never know in these drafts and these auctions and stuff, you know, all sorts can happen. Um, management can get under pressure and, and press the wrong buttons. But um, and I, although the way it's worked out, I'm really happy. It's been, uh, it's, been a, it's been a good couple of hours so far. It's an interesting couple of hours. Boys have had their eyes on the screen all the way through. Have you, could you pick out anybody in the team, the Birmingham team, who you're really looking forward to playing with? Obviously, Moen Ali, it's been a while since I played with him. I think since 2015, I haven't played with him. So um, we had a little chat on finals day, actually. Um, and he said, oh, I'd love to have you in my team. And I was like, I'd love to play with you. So, um, you know, it's, it's worked out exactly as... Uh, and they say, be careful what you wish for. So, um, but it's come, it's come good. You've had a great season, especially in the, in the one-day game. As a sort of finisher, almost. Uh, what, what do you put your success down to this year? Um... Well, given that role, number six, um, my practice changed completely. Um, I went down the route of literally just trying to look for boundaries every time I practised. I think I tried to put away the singles and and stuff because I felt now, this far into my career, I should be able to get one ball. Um, That shouldn't be a problem. Obviously, if you're playing on a really difficult pitch, it does become hard. But um, I knew... The more boundaries I could hit, the more chance I give my team uh, a chance to win. So I, I geared all my practice to hitting sixes and fours and opening up new areas of my, of my game. Uh, and if I'm being totally honest, I, I may have neglected a little bit the Red Bull game um, in order to give ourselves as much success as we could in, in the T20 game. And um, it worked out well, actually. Um, and presumably, it, 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 the same kind of thing should work for the 100 then. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the lesser overs, and, and it's only 3.2, uh, 20 balls less. Um, but I think there's a big difference, you know. Uh, 20 balls down the back end, it's going to make a big difference. You've got to get your, get your eye in a little bit quicker um, and find the boundary ropes just that little bit quicker. But it'll be interesting because you pl- you know, you're playing on big test grounds and it's, it might not just be all about slogging. Um, it's hard to say right now. Don't know where the game's going to go in a year's time. People could be hitting some serious home runs by then. But 
uh, it's going to be it's going to, you're going to need that odd smart player. I think Kane Williamson was a, was a shrewd pick. Ravi Bopara, they're making an interesting point, saying that he neglected his red ball game to, to focus on his white ball game. I mean, th- this is potentially the danger. Isn't it? I know that, that one-day cricket has been going in this country, actually, for as long as I've been alive, you know, since the early 60s. The first competition, 1963, John Player League, 1969. And you know, test cricket is still going. Uh, it's, it's thriving in, in some places. The county championship is, is still going. You know, there was a you know, tremendous excitement about the last game of the season when Somerset played Essex. Unfortunately, it was, it was ruined by weather. But is the 100 the beginning of that move towards uh, pre, the absolute preeminence of white ball? Short, short form, real short form, white ball cricket over red ball cricket. It's, it sort of feels like it's already happening, and this is sort of the next big step towards it i.e. that younger players coming into the game will say white ball cricket t20 100 whatever ipl big bash that is where the money is to be made that is where i'm going to focus and inevitably that red ball cricket will decline even further no i don't think that is going to happen Uh, there'll be a gradual shift but i certainly don't think that red ball cricket will will disappear because of test cricket and you need to play championship four-day cricket to be able to play test cricket. And with the World Test Championship now underway, which I do think the ICC particularly need to put more emphasis and marketing spend into. I mean, I know for a fact that the chief executive of the ICC, Manu Sawney, is a big fan of T20 and is, is just sort of almost saturating the calendar with more global events, ICC white ball global events, without really spending the same amount of money or attention on the test game. But there is the World Test Championship. That is a, a, a very valid and, and it will be, I think, a, a fruitful competition that does embrace people. And, you know, the likes of Virat Kohli, we need more uh, of his type mm. to really get into it and, and show how important it is. But I think that the, the, the test game is still the pinnacle of the game. It's still the thing that, that everybody wants to uh, attain success in. Even if you don't do it at a young age, perhaps you come into the game initially playing white ball, but then you realise that actually a quick 25 in a run chase is far less fulfilling than a really well-constructed, 75 or 140 or whatever in a longer format you're laughing at me no I'm only laughing at you because actually I think the idea when I was growing up the idea of being able to bat for six hours would just be fantastic the idea of being to be able to bat for 25 balls terrible you want to bat for as long as possible don't you you perhaps don't want to bowl for as long as possible but you know batting you just want to bat and bat and bat I mean books have come back you know it's a bit of a it sounds like a non-sequitur but the book sales are up again and everybody thinks, well, you know, everyone's just sort of looking at snacking, uh, snackable content on their phones. But actually, you almost need an antidote to the sort of fast pace of life, don't you? And you sometimes you come to that late. Sometimes you come to that in your sort of dotage or, you know, in your mature years. But I think that there there will need to be or remain an antidote to this sort of helter-skelter white ball cricket. Red ball is that. It's it's just a more considered game. It leaves you with a greater feeling of stimulation and satisfaction at the end. And I think that that will percolate through to players. And provided that the test game remains 
you know, absolutely at the pinnacle of the game, then people will want to play red ball cricket, therefore county championship cricket, and that's going to become still a vital cog in the game. What they do have to do in, in, in the ECB is spread those games out more. I think it's ridiculous that they don't play championship cricket at the same time as the 100, for the simple reason that a lot of these cricketers we're talking about today won't be championship cricketers. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. So that means you could still play a championship match at the same time. You might have to bring in some second 11 players. You might have to bring in some university students who've come down from, from college. So what? We always used to have to do that. I mean, I played in Middlesex teams in the 1980s, which lost four players to England's yeah. test team. We still had to play a county match. It still counted the same. And, you know, we won the championship sometimes because of our bench strength. So... I think it's ludicrous to only play this 50-over competition at the same time, which is going to be using the same kind of players as, as, the, uh, as the 100. And if you've got a county championship going on as well, that, in a way, satisfies the, the county the members yeah. the county members who want to watch what they would perceive as, as proper cricket. I, my feeling about this is when, when I started watching cricket, I didn't mind whether I was watching 40-over cricket, 50-over... Well, it was actually 60-over cricket in, the, in those days... Uh, you know, one-day internationals or you know, Gillette Cup or whatever, or Benson Hedges Cup was 55 over cricket or Championship cricket. I just loved watching cricket. It didn't, it didn't matter to me. What I hope is that there are those options available, those three forms of the game, those three very distinct forms of the game, and they're all, they're all nurtured. Because I think if the game just goes to short-form cricket, 100 cricket or T20 cricket, I think, well, I would definitely lose interest. Well, people say, who cares about that? But, I mean, I, I think, that, you know, there, there are a lot of... watch old footage. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you know, the result. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you, you know the, the drama of, 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 of Test match cricket, there's nothing quite like it. But, I mean, I also love T20 cricket as well. As long as it, as long as it has context, that's, that's the point about it. You just keep playing it. It's, it really is just like chucking, you know... I don't know, just chucking mud against the wall and hoping some of us stick. It's 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 got to have context. I think so, you know, something like the World T Twenty tournament, the, the international World T Twenty, the, the last one England played in, it was a fantastic tournament because every game mattered. And you 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 know you were it wasn't just like another game round the corner. It was in a way it's better than the World Cup because you could lose some games in the World Cup and still come back. You'll say, well, that was okay because it gave teams a chance to recover, but. That that to me that 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 was the, sort of the vital element of that last World T Twenty. What I hope with with the hundred is that if it is a success and they don't just oh we'll double the number of games or we'll triple the number of games that, that there is a sort of context and there is a point to it and an appointment to view. I think watching the Big Bash last year, you just sense that they'd expanded the number of games and the interest just seemed to go down a bit. So it's it's, it's got to have that sort of. That, that vitality to it, and I hope they 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 look after that. You know, in terms of success for the hundred, what what would be a success? Because that's what we're looking at now. It's going to happen. Okay, you know, you can have your hashtag oppose the hundred. Uh, you can oppose it by not going. Whatever you can you can go on social media and can complain about it. It is going to happen. There's a lot of money invested in it. What would be a, a success and what would be a failure? A success would be a sequence of really good games. Uh, you want unpredictable outcomes, which is uh, what the IPL now has achieved over the last two seasons in the IPL. I think something like 25 to 30% of the games go to the last ball or at least the last over. So it's keeping the audience on tenterhooks. You want high skill, high levels of skill. You know, you want the best players in the world 
absolutely going head to head as well. And obviously you want the, the tournament to keep you interested until the end so that you don't know who's going to win. What you really want is high quality cricket with, as I say, unpredictable outcomes and Obviously, you're a little bit uh, in in uh, trusting to the weather. If the weather is crap and a lot of games get rained off, that'll be a damp squib. But hopefully, that's not going to happen. So, you know, good weather, good cricket, that will sell it to the public. To me, what's a failure? Uh, t- lots of one-sided games and crappy weather. And surely, people not turning up to watch it, or people not turning on their televisions but they to watch will, it. But they will, if the cricket is good, they will watch it, absolutely, fundamentally, because these guys are brilliant cricketers. I mean, the spectacle, you look at the spectacles we've had this summer, when those players, when it really matters, and they're going head-to-head, the entertainment is, is totally compelling. Mm. What, what about the point that, you know, we, we saw this last night, we saw the draft, you know, people have been buying, bought for money, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it's an auction, and, you, you know, you... Your skin's in the game, and you, there's a price on your head, and all that sort of thing. You know, it, it is essentially. I mean, you could argue that football's like this to some extent. You know, it is players being shuffled around, and you know, who who really cares whether Manchester's players that they've bought beat the the London spirit, the players that they've bought in a in an auction? Well, I think people get into it through personalities. Right. And there'll be a lot of uh, so time... teams winning don't matter as well, much I, as I mean, the personalities. Well, I mean, you'll you'll get into a team through a personality. I mean, that's certainly what happened in the IPL. The, 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 I mean, India obviously is a slightly different market, but they they liked certain players and then got into the teams as a result. And I think one of the keys to how this tournament is is staged is to really get get some backstory into some of these characters because there's some good cricketers, some great characters out there playing, but we don't know much about them because, you know, they've been behind a paywall for forever or, you know, overseas. So I think there needs to be some work done and that's where, you know, the PR and marketing spend can be intelligently used is to give a bit of, of colour to these interesting cricketers so that you sort of know a little bit more about what you're watching. And I think actually that the selections of some of these squads have, have sort of borne that in mind so that quite a few of them, Trent Rockets is one, uh, Northern Superchargers is another, they've gone with sort of one or two local players that they can build a, 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 some character and some depth around. You're not convinced, are no. you? No. My, my, to me, the, the, the bottom line is, I agree, if the cricket is exciting, then you hope people will come. But if pe- people have got to come. People have got to watch it, haven't they? And, that, and, that, and actually, I, I remember saying that at the start of T- when T20 started, way back at, you know, 2000 or whatever it was, 2003, 2004, that if, if people come to watch it, it, it will be a success. If they yeah. don't, it won't. It's just, it's just, that, that is the bottom line, isn't it? How many people are, gonna, are going to come well, and watch the it? The bottom line is the players. If the players are up for it and they play really hard and really well, and the games are competitive, people will watch. Because their enthusiasm, the players, I mean, the players' enthusiasm and excitement and commitment is very infectious. Mm. And that's what I got from last night, was, you know, I'm not a negative person about this anyway, because I I believe that it's important for the future salvation and uh, general kind of survival of, of our game. But I could tell other people were being won over 
by the the players' enthusiasm. Yeah. Well, I hope it's. I do hope it's a success. Um. And and it, and it's, there's every chance it, it will be a success. People say, well, you know, you're you're cheerleaders for it. Um. You know, you'll end up working on it. Well, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you, you know, I've already applied for a job and didn't get it. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd be very happy to work on it, but you know, there's no indication that I will. So it, it's not. It's not about that. You, you actually, what you want is something that's good for the game. I think part of the problem for the hundred has been over the last few years is that. There's been this vacuum that you know that has been filled with negativity because it's taken such a long time to get it going because they had the idea they couldn't do it because of the broadcasting contracts it's, it's just taking so long to get it going. Meanwhile, the IPL you know started up over a decade ago has been a you know a real success. Big Bash has been a, a relatively speaking a great success as well. That you know the Australians have got their act together, the Indians have got their act together. There's the Caribbean Premier League as, as well. You know, and the ECB, in a way, because of the circumstances, because perhaps a lack of foresight way back when, they've not been able to do it until now. So, yeah, I hope it's a success. You want the game to thrive. Of course you do. And in the end, although this sounds very simplistic, it's a bat and it's a ball and it's a pitch of 22 yards. And that's the beauty of cricket. You know, it's the same game as they played in 1740 when the laws of the game were coded. 1743, 1744, a bat, a ball and a pitch of 22 yards. So I'm, I'm going to leave you with that. I know that people are, are thinking, oh, you know, the red ball is going to die, the red ball cricket is going to die. It's not. This is its saviour. And I'm going to leave you with this. Cricket has always evolved. It's always changed. It's, it's, it's actually one of those sports that, that really has changed over the years. People think it's a traditional sport. Oh, it's, it's always stayed the same. And you're right in a sense. It has bat and ball. It ha- that has stayed the the same, but the game is the number of changes in the game, and I think largely for the better over the years have been have been numerous. And you know, we we we're constantly in cricket thinking about ways of of improving it and and changing it. And change is part of it, and and change is part of life. Let's hope this change works out. Well, you know, the best things in life have to keep reinventing themselves to survive, and cricket is one of the best at doing that. It's been going for 300 years or so, and in my view, it's still got another 100 years or so to go, so well well after our lifetimes. All those people out there who are blowing raspberries at us and telling us to, you know what, off... Um, Fair enough. Have have your view. Um, We'll we'll see how it works out. And thanks very much for listening. And please listen again next week, even if we've antagonised you. Podcast Network.